a question that you've asked before, maybe a question similar to it. How can I find happiness? How can I find fulfillment? Uh, How can I make my life count? How can I find meaning and and purpose and joy and satisfaction? I think it's probably a question that at one point or another, all of us ask in, in our life. And every now and then, we are blessed with a living, breathing example of what the good life looks like. And this past week, uh, we said goodbye, or at least so long, uh, to someone here at Sherwood Oaks who truly embodied the good life, uh, Glenn Tony. Glenn was an amazing man of God, such a sweet, joy-filled spirit about him. I mean, you just could not help but smile whenever you saw Glenn and and Donna come into the the room. Glenn uh, led our Livingstone Sunday School class here for many years. The first time I met Glenn and Donna, I was actually at the Poor House Cafe down on campus. Um, I would have been the oldest person in the room that day if it weren't for Glenn and Donna being there with me. And we spent um, several hours over the course of a few months praying for people to come to know, love, and follow Jesus. Like that was just at the heart of, of who Glenn was. It was a passion of his. It's a passion of, of Donna's. As I talked to people about Glenn over the last week, one of the things that I kept hearing uh, over and, and over, some variation of Glenn always saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And I'll be honest, I mean, that was my story as, as well. The first time I met Glenn, I remember him speaking just a word to me that was like, wow, God, I think I heard Glenn's voice, but I'm pretty sure that that was you speaking through him in that, that moment. He had a way of challenging you and encouraging you and to, to walk just a life of faith. And, and Glenn prayed as if he truly believed that God was listening, hanging on every word ready to move into action. I sat in here uh, last Wednesday listening to Tom and a family member talk about Glenn, and it made me so incredibly grateful for him. It also made me reflect on my, my own life in that moment to evaluate, like, how am I loving others? Am I speaking words of life and encouragement into them as, as Glenn spoke into me and to, into so many, so many others? How can you find the good life? If you were to ask King Solomon, uh, who is regarded as one of the wisest people that ever lived, wrote the book of Proverbs, if you were to ask Solomon, he would tell you the good life, if you want to find the good life, attend a funeral. That doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? You want to find the good life, go to a funeral. What? Here's how he actually says it, Ecclesiastes 7, 2. He says, it is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of everyone. Amen. There's our word of hope and good news for this morning, right? (laughs) But it's true. Death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. In other words, it's better to go to a funeral than a party. It's an odd thing to say, isn't it? But, But as a pastor, can I share something with you that I've learned in my last 20 years of ministry? 20 years of preaching funerals, 20 years of sitting in hospital rooms as people took their last breath, 20 years of walking with people who received a diagnosis that they had been praying would not be. Here's one of the things that I found 
Whenever I leave that place, whenever I leave that room, whenever I leave that visit, you know what I do? I go home and I hug my wife and my girls a little bit tighter. I gain a perspective about circumstances and things that are happening in my life that I probably wouldn't have had otherwise. It helps put it into perspective a little bit. Funerals are a celebration or remembrance of the person who passed, but funerals also remind us of the brevity of life and to make every single day count. They make us think about the kind of people that we want to be and the legacy that we want to leave behind. And so while we may look at Solomon's words and say, boy, that is kind of strange. It seems a little odd. I think that he's on to something. You've probably experienced that same thing too. You know, there are some passages in scripture that just seem counterintuitive um, at best, illogical sometimes. They don't make sense uh, to how we understand and kind of experience reality. But to those with eyes to see and ears to hear, we know the truth of them, even if they seem to be uh, a paradox. And in a way, that's what our text today is is like. On the surface, it seems illogical. It seems counterintuitive, but it actually leads to the good life that we so desire. If you have a Bible or a Bible app that you like to use, turn to Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter five. We're starting a new series today called Apex. And over the next few weeks, we're gonna look at these passages from Matthew 5, 6, and 7, known as the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus' revolutionary teaching on on life and faith and, and morality and what these things look like, how to live the good life. And if you're new with us, we are starting this new series, but we're actually in week 18 of a year-long study throughout Scripture called Core 52, where we're looking at the 52 kind of most important passages in Scripture that every person needs to know. And if, if, if you're just hopping on with us, this is a great place to start because we're moving from the Old Testament now to the New Testament, where we're looking at the life and the ministry of Jesus in the, in the start of the early church. And so it's a great place to, to jump in. You can go out get a book. Several people have gotten some books today. Uh, We're joining on chapter 18 this week. We're going to be reading through that. Uh, There's also great resources on our website, socc.org slash core52, that you can check out. If you've fallen a little bit behind in core 52, if you've been joining us for the last few months, today is a good chance to kind of hit the reset button. And start over. You know, that's what New Year's are good for. It's a, it's a good chance to, to start over. Uh, I've, I've fallen behind on some of my scripture memorization. Maybe you've fallen behind on some of the reading. Uh, man, pick it up. Join us. Chapter 18 this week. It is one of the best chapters in the book that we've read so far. So jump in. The Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount helps us find the answer to the question that we are asking today. How do we find the good life? And we talk a lot about this idea that Jesus uh, brings us back into right relationship with God. And that's certainly where it starts. I mean, when, when, when you come to a place where you are at peace with God, man, that, that's, a, that's the beauty of the gospel. That we can be forgiven, that we can be set free, that we can be made new. When we put our faith in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we are brought back to right relationship with God. That is the beginning of the good life. But then Jesus also, he doesn't just bring us back into right relationship with God. Jesus brings us back into life with God. 
life that, that sin and brokenness and guilt and shame have robbed us from. Jesus brings us into a happy, flourishing, meaningful life in God. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus begins to show us what that life looks like and how we can find it. He teaches us what it is all about. And to understand the good life the way that Jesus understands it, we need to start where he starts. We need to know the source of it, the spring from which it flows. And so if you have your Bible, go back one chapter, Matthew chapter four. At the end of chapter four, Jesus, Matthew gives a snapshot of Jesus' ministry and he, and he sums it up with these words in verse 17. It says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, turn, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the focus of Jesus' ministry, aligning our hearts and our lives to the kingdom of heaven, turning from the direction we were going and moving towards the kingdom. And Jesus says, not only is it, is it here, but it is, it is here. It is in him. And so if we want to find the good life, it starts and it ends with the kingdom of heaven. According to Jesus, this is the apex of it. And, and he starts his sermon on kingdom living with statements that capture kind of the characteristics of those who live in the kingdom. Characteristics that we see play out in Jesus' life and attitude and, and actions. Our, our text today is known as the Beatitudes because uh, each line starts with the word blessed. Now we hear that word and, and we think of God blessing people. We think of, you know, God created Adam and Eve. He blessed them. He said, go be fruitful and, and multiply. That's, that's God's blessing upon them. God blessed many people all throughout the Old Testament. God continues to bless. We think of God's blessing when we hear the word blessed, we think of hashtag blessed. <laughs> we think of waking up and, and just everything seems right in the world. We think of sunny skies and, and pristine days. We, we think of pulling into the store and getting the parking spot right at the front. <laughs> we think of waking the kids up in the morning and they get ready without throwing a fit. That is certainly hashtag blessed. <laughs> but it's not the blessed that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 5. It's also not blessing someone else. The word blessed used in Matthew 5 describes the person whose life is content, who is, who is happy in spite of their circumstances. The word blessed in Matthew 5, it's a person who is consistent, that they're the same in the ups and the downs of life at home, at work, in the church. There's a wholeness in them that is born out of a holiness with God. It describes something that is good, in this case, life in the kingdom of heaven. And so who are these blessed ones, according to Jesus? Who are the people who have discovered the good life? Well, it's not the ones that we might think. Let's look at each uh, of these statements, just the, the beginning of them, starting in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Jesus begins his sermon by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. These are the people who, who know that they have nothing to offer God. They're the ones who know that all that they bring to the table are, is weakness and poverty and failure. The poor in spirit know their unworthiness before God and their dependency upon him. 
Verse four, blessed are those who mourn, those who experience sadness and and grief, those who are heartbroken, those grieving something that they have done or something that has been done to them, those who who watch the news and look out in the world and and their hearts break for what they see in the brokenness and the sin and the destruction that they see all around them, the people who are hurting and the pain in our world. Blessed are the, the meek, those who are, who are oftentimes pushed to the background, who are seen as weak, but who are actually anything but. They are gentle and they're free of a vengeful, spiteful spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, people who long for things to be made right in themselves, in the world, in the lives of others. Blessed are the merciful, those who are forgiving and compassionate. Blessed are the pure in heart, those who long for things to be whole and good. Blessed are the peacemakers, those who lay down their need to be right, those who don't need the last word in every argument. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, the misunderstood and the maligned. According to Jesus, these, these are the blessed ones. And if you're anything like me, you look at this list and you're like, really, Jesus? Like, these are the blessed ones? (laughs) These are the ones who have found the good life? Because that doesn't seem very hashtag blessed to me. In fact, at first glance, this actually looks like a list of things that we try very actively to avoid. <laughs> things that we try to steer away from. If, if we were to say what, what we're really looking for to, to find the good life, this list would be a little bit different than those things that we would search for. If, it might sound something like this, blessed are the rich because they can get whatever they want. <laughs> blessed are those who keep things positive. They're always in a good mood. Blessed are the confident, for they will be recognized and admired. Blessed are the opportunistic, for they will always come out on top. Blessed are the powerful, for they will be respected. Blessed are the popular, for they will be loved by everyone. Blessed are the laid back, for they will always fit in. Blessed are those who affirm everything and everyone, for they will always be praised. To our experience and in our world, this kind of describes maybe a little bit better what the blessed life looks like. In fact, think about what the situation that maybe you're in in your life right now and the things that you look to that you think would make it better. Does it look more like list one, Jesus' list? Or does it look more like list two, the world's list? But Jesus gives us a radical new vision for the good life. And then not only does he paint that picture, he invites us into it and he says, you can live this kind of life. To Jesus, the kingdom of God, where the good life is found, is not reserved for the high and the mighty. It moves towards the lowly and the humble. And just look at the people that Jesus moved towards in his life and his ministry. Jesus went out of his way to find the outcast. He stooped down to come alongside of the down and the out, the marginalized, the ones that society had pushed to the side. 
And Jesus eats with people that the religious people look down upon, actually criticize him for sharing a meal with them. Jesus goes out of his way to meet a woman at the well who's hurting and lost and looking for true love so that he can offer her what she's actually looking for. In a story that Jesus tells one time, he lifts up a tax collector, I mean, who was, who was like the definition of the sinful person of his time. He lifts up the tax collector who beats his chest and cries out for mercy to God. And in the same story, he condemns the self-righteous person who looks down at the tax collector and others and says, man, I'm so glad I'm not like them. Throughout his ministry, Jesus shows us where the good life is found. And it's not always where we thought that it was. It's not in making your way to the front of the the line. It's discovering what God has for you in the back because in the kingdom, the first will be last and the last will be first. In the Beatitudes, Jesus is inviting us to see the world as he sees it, to imagine it as he imagines it. And the first part of the Beatitudes sound absolutely crazy, counterintuitive, maybe even illogical. But when we embody these qualities, here's the good life that we found. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna read the, the rest of this passage from the message because I think it just captures it so incredibly well. This is what Jesus says. You are blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel that you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. That's the moment you find yourself proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourself blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even for though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds. And know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. (laughs) That's the good life. That's the good life. And here's, here's the thing. You can, you can absolutely reject that. Many people have, many people will continue to say, no, nah, that's, not, that's not the good life. 
You can look for that elsewhere. You can walk out these doors and say, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to find the good life in how I define it. Look for it in financial security and relationships and possessions and, and influence. You can look for the good life in those things. And here's the truth. You may find a version of it in them. But I'm telling you, as someone who cares for you, someone who is a pastor, who's your pastor, that good life is a cheap imitation of the real thing. And it, it will only leave you wanting more. Even if it satisfies you for a moment, it will only leave you hungry and thirsty for more of the real thing. The life that can only be found in the life that Jesus offers, kingdom life, lived with him. And so the question for each of us to answer today is, is this, would, would you rather have life with God than anything else in life? Would you rather have life with God than anything else in life? Or is there something or someone that you desire more, that your thinking will bring you life and the satisfaction and the meaning and the purpose and the good life that you desire? Would you say with the psalmist, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere? God, better is one day in your presence than a thousand without you. And this is how we find the good life. It's in humility, mourning, meekness, mercy, peacemaking, even being persecuted. This is where the good life is found because this is where the kingdom of heaven is found and there is nothing better than that. It's the life that Jesus lived and it is the life that he invites us into and in the coming weeks, we're gonna look more about what that good life looks like and how we've already been given everything in him that we need to live it. But today, if you are ready to stop chasing after the world's definition of the good life and start following Jesus to find abundant life, to find eternal life, we invite you to come. Jesus made a way for you to come back to God through his death, burial, and resurrection, but he also made a way for you to come back and find life with God, the good life, the good life that is open to all. Why don't you stand with me? And I'll close this off in prayer. God, thank you for that invitation to come and, and experience the good life in you. And Lord, there are many many things that we have looked to, that I have looked to, that truly are the cheap imitation of the real thing. That the, They're things that, that promise to deliver and absolutely never could because Lord, only you can give us what our soul most deeply desires. And so Father, I pray that we will start right there, start right there where Jesus started, that we will be poor in spirit because we know that in that, we receive the kingdom of heaven we are able to live life as it was meant to be lived. We are able to find grace and peace and hope and meaning. And so Father, this week, may you find us chasing after you more than we're chasing after anything in this world. Lord, may we hunger and thirst for righteousness. May we be people who are peacemakers, embodying Jesus and his ministry. May we be merciful meek. Father, may we be all of those things, not, not just so that we can live the good life, though certainly that is the avenue to it, but that, Lord, we can help other people find the good life as well. 
we can help other people know, love, and follow you. Do it in us now, Lord. Your kingdom come in us and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.